we have to deal with the sports ball in this one because it takes place in that place called Green Bay or whatever. Green Bay, Wisconsin. And there's like a sport, there's like a tennis team from there. There's a tennis team from there, yes. There okay. are I nailed it, so I got lots it. Lots of famous figure skaters. <laughs> Thank you so from much. From Green Bay. That's where Tanya's from? That's exactly right. right. <laughs> Patrick, hi. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the bonus episode. Yeah, hi, everyone. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I love that we do this every year. Yeah, you know, October, November, December, we're just giving you some fun bonuses. It's just some bonus. I'm still recovering from Obsessed Fest. Same, absolutely. My goodness. My goodness gracious. Sam, speaking of Obsessed Fest, (laughs) if you want to experience a little bit of Obsessed Fest, go to the Patreon. You can watch the live show that we did at Obsessed Fest. Oh, my God. It opens with our Broadway dancers. We have a whole opening number. Nobody knew. If you couldn't make it and you want to, like, sort of get a slice of what it was like, check it out. You can see the audience. There's like 1,800 yeah. people in the audience. And it's, it was like professionally done, so it's not just like one camera in nope. the back of the room. It's we had like multi different angles. It's the beautiful sound composition. We did Killer Roll from did. Dateline. Yes. Keith. It was Keith, incredible. Keith, Keith. Also on the Patreon, over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge. What are we in the middle of now? We're in the middle of Hillsong and then Finding Andrea, depending oh, on when you're watching. Right after that, we're doing the Woodstock 99, Woodstock 99, which is not my bag, but I'm very excited to cover it. Jewel performed. Jewel. Did you know that Jewel was at Woodstock 99? Yeah, and she's got quite a story. Jewel Kilcher? Yeah. She wrote a book of poetry that was on the New York Times bestseller list. Did she? she Good for her. My hands are small, I know, know, but they're they're not not yours. They are my own. What a weird Jewel song to throw out there. Not Who Will Save Your Soul, Remember Me. Nope, that one. I'm sick to it. Okay. My intuition. Remember? And then that was the theme song for the Razor. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Right? All right, girl, what are we talking about today? So this is Killer Cases, episode five. It's called Murder in a Wisconsin Field. And we learn right away that Friday and Saturday nights are pretty hopping down in Green Bay. Friday, Saturday nights, a good nighttime party life here in downtown Green Bay. And on this warm spring night, the action is at a place called The Watering Hole. It's a friendly atmosphere, but it's, it's really large. A lot of people can fit inside. Somewhere among the hundreds of people dancing and rocking out with a band from California, the Steel Panthers, is a young woman who would not live to see the dawn of the next day. We have an explosive new trial for you out of Wisconsin. This is the most brutal murder that has ever been committed by one person in the history of Brown County. Doug murdered Nicole in a fit of jealousy and anger fueled by insecurity, alcohol, and numerous other drugs. You knew all along what happened to Nikki. No, I did not. All Nikki wanted was a ride home. A ride home. to me. These people love to party. This reminded me a lot of Boston because Boston is a very cool town. And when I went to college there, I loved it. And then I lived there as an adult for a year. And it's a very fun party town, but only if you like sports. Every bar is a sports bar. Even the fancy bars are sports bars. (laughs) If you can't talk about the fucking Bruins or the fucking whatever. (laughs) I'm saying from Boston. Oh, okay. I can't remember any of the other sports teams. The Red Sox? The Red Sox. How do you not know the Red Sox? I don't know. I one time went to a World Series game at Fenway Park. Look at you. I know it was. How'd it go? I left early. Okay. I was All right. Pretty, I, get it. I left it in her mesh. Okay. 
You yeah. know, in the seventh inning, they do an intermission. Yeah, they do ballet. I left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. That's when I right? left. All the action is taking place at a bar called the Watering Hole. Yeah, we're gonna get some real interesting bar names in this town. We'll uh, get to them in yes. a minute. <laughs> um, there, I think what looks like a Motley Crue cover band is playing. It's I like more of a music what? venue than a bar. Yeah, it's like a huge place. I said this place seems very loud and not like a place I would enjoy. Right. Can you imagine me going to a place like this? No. no. I looked up the band. The oh. band is called Steel Panther. Are they still together? I don't know. If they're if it's like a joke or not. Oh. But they're trying to be like Motley Crue, Poison, like the glam yeah, yeah, rockers yeah. of the 80s. In their merch store, there is a shirt that says, Suck My Richard. Oh. We'll get back to all of that in a minute. Yeah. That weirdly comes back. <laughs> totally. Um, but that's what it really they're does. doing. They're doing it. They're out there doing it. They say it's a very friendly venue. It's whatever. I'm sure this town is full of very nice people who like the sports who do not want to have me over for like the Sunday barbecue. That's absolutely right. They don't want, they would be well, nice Sunday, if I showed up. The game is on Sunday. Sunday, so they're definitely not having a barbecue on Sunday. Oh, God. You have to sit inside and watch the game. That's awful. Are you into that? No. Okay, just checking. Am I into that? Have we met? <laughs> How many ad-free bonus episodes on the Patreon have we done? Full ad-free. Full ad-free. So we learn at this venue that night was a woman named Nikki and her boyfriend, Doug. They had a young son together, and they were kind of looking forward to a night out, and it started off really well from what we know. But both of them were drinking heavily, police would later say, especially Nikki. Plus, she was breastfeeding. She had a young son, so her tolerance probably wasn't what it used to be. The cops say, well, especially Nikki. I know. Okay, let's I know. not blame the victim. I got to tell you, as a parent, like, I count the minutes until Friday when I can have a cocktail. I'm counting them right. We're recording on a Friday. I'm counting right now. Oh, God, it's 2.48 p.m. <laughs> I got to have a cocktail okay? in, like, two hours. We'll okay? see. Okay. I don't know going to make it. We also learned that Nikki was breastfeeding, and she had a pretty low alcohol tolerance, to yes. which I say, I hope she pumped before she went out. Yeah, it's not. Isn't that what you have to do, yeah. right? So we learn when the concert ends, Nikki and Doug's friends, not Doug. Right. Nikki and Doug's friends all head to another bar called the Sardine can. And the little subtitle is always packed. <laughs> Get it? That's like come to Stonewall where every night's a riot. That's exactly right. Oh, that's good the sardine, sardine can. can. Always, always packed. packed. <laughs> See, I like a bar like the Sardine I love it can. too. Like give me, I want to smell the beer on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, That like give I'm me. So, why are you taunting me? I can have a cocktail in like two I hours. I don't want to go to an uns, uns fancy no. shiny place. Give me the dive bar any what, day of the week. With a good jukebox, maybe a back yes, patio yes. where you can like, you can hear your friends. I the sardine can always packed. Also, no, let's not get too packed because that's not fun either. No, that's true. That's true. And that's a all. fire hazard. That's all. <laughs> yes. Grandma and Grandpa are here. Yeah. God. Can you keep it down? I'm just trying to have a goddamn conversation over Jewel that, yes, I put on the jukebox. My hands are small, I know. Because if Jewel, I'm playing Jewel. If she's 100%. On the Jewel's a national treasure. Okay, great. Just ask her. Okay. So Nikki is out with Doug's friends and Doug will catch up with them in a bit. Like we yes. don't really know where Doug is right now. This is when we get the first inkling that like this is not a good marriage because Nikki is mad and we see some of the texts going back and forth. And we know that there were text messages between her and Doug accusing him of staying behind, maybe talking to other women. Nicole was starting to get irritated and upset with Doug because here she is with all of Doug's friends and she doesn't know them very well. And her boyfriend, who she wanted to spend the night with, is not there. 
She's accusing him of like staying behind because he wants to meet other women and he's yelling at her for being a nag. Like they're not like in a good relationship. Yeah, because Nikki's pissed. Like this was their big night out and then she's stuck with his friends and Doug just bails. Yeah. So Nikki starts texting him saying like, what bitch are you with? I know. Fuck you, abusive asshole. You hurt me all the time. Just admit you love whores. I know. This is very, very tense. Now we are also going to learn later from friends and family of Nikki that he does actually beat her. Well, fuck that. So, like, none of this is good. No, it's and all I just bad. want her to get out of the situation. Right. So, Nikki and Doug's friends are on the patio, and we have footage of this. Yes. We see Nikki get up, leave the patio area. She heads west, and she's never seen again. No, and, like, we hear that one of her friends is really trying to get her not to do that, but she's just fucking had it. Nikki's she's had it. She gets, she's like, I'm going to walk home, or, or I'm going to walk to the next bar, or whatever. But she's just like, I'm sick of babysitting your friends. Nikki, I hear you. That's not the night she planned. Exactly. When you're stuck with someone else's friends, and yeah. you're like, what? We had to listen to this terrible band with their bad merch. Fuck oh, that. fuck that. So then we jump cut to a 911 call. Yeah, it's the next morning around 11 a.m. And someone comes across Nikki's body. Spark County 911, what is the address of your emergency? We just found a human body laying in the okay. okay, person beyond help, or do I need to give yeah. instructions for CPR? No, it's okay. beyond help. It's starting is to it decay. A, is it a male or a female? Uh, it's got long hair, uh, but I didn't go near it. She's described as beyond help. Yeah, and the 911 dispatcher's like, is it a man or a woman? And the guy, like, to his credit, because he's me, he's like, I did not get close. Yes. It is already, the body is already, like, in a state of decomposition. Yeah. The body has long hair. That's the most I can tell you. And I'm not going any closer. And frankly, sir, you are a hero. Yeah. You yes, are a fucking yes, yes, American yes. hero. You, like, saw a dead body in a field and you called it in. I would just recommend to anybody, that's as close as anyone needs to get to anybody. I agree. Because you are potentially fucking up a crime scene, sir, you did the right thing. Yes. And it also must be terrifying. It must be terrifying. So scary, right? Yes. So so Nikki had over 240 injuries, which is not a typo or any, like it's 240 injuries. That is terrifying. Yeah. And her face is very, br- they can't I- ID her at first. And it's we horrible. learned that like the only clothing on her body is a sock on each foot. Right. That's like kind of coming off anyway. So like, like she's God clearly been it. like sexually assaulted God and like that's, that's all that's left on her. Now, four hours after this, Doug, the boyfriend, calls 911 to report Nikki missing. And we will learn later that that is 4 p.m. So that's 4 o'clock clock in the afternoon is when he makes this phone call. And he's like, look, my girlfriend, we live together. She's never done this before. Also, there are kids like where, I, you know, she's not here. And also like she's been gone. You haven't seen her since she left the bar with your friends at like nine o'clock the night before. And where did you go? Right. Doug? I mean, like, somebody had to be at home with the, the kids overnight, and now it's four in the afternoon. And you're all hammered. And you're like, just calling the cops? Yeah. Like, what on earth? It sucks. And But also, this is where I get, and I'm not defending Doug. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. No, no, no. But, like, this is what's so frustrating, because the cops hear this, and they immediately think, like, why'd you wait so long? And I'm like, but aren't you the same people who turn families away when an adult goes missing because totally. it's not an emergency enough? Yeah. I mean, like, in, the, in this instance, there are children, one of whom is being breastfed. Right. So there is some urgency to it. Yeah. So, like, Doug is automatically a suspect and like the Chris Watts of it all they literally wire the cops up with body cams and send them to the house to quote interview him we used a audio video recording device uh, to record it so that we could get a look at him you know we focused on his hands we focused on the general condition of his body uh, focused on the condition of his house his behaviors Dietrich was not told about the discovery of a body just three miles away this interview, we see Doug from the chest down the entire time. He's a headless person. We're not, so it's I not know. the best it's footage. True. I don't think they're putting the cops through film school. No. I'm grateful for the body cams. Yeah, and they're asking him all these questions. Like they're basically reading from a script. It's like, do you suspect any foul play? Right. If so, why? 
Yes, no, right. maybe, why? And Doug's like, I don't suspect any foul play at all, but like, I'm scared for her. I'm worried for her. So Doug's probably still drunk. You're also making me defend the cops because in the cops' defense, they do tell us that like, they're not looking at his face. They're trying to get like images of his hands uh-huh. to see if there's any like defensive wounds or wh- whatever the wounds would it's, be. They perfectly chopped off his head in <laughs> sure. the video. Like you can't, he just looks like I a know. headless body. It's as though I tried to make a TikTok. That's exactly right. <laughs> Pre-Aaron, before Pre-Aaron. Aaron came into our lives. <laughs> so Doug's story is, I went home, went to sleep, woke up a few times in the middle of the night for the baby, and that's it. But he also doesn't say where he went. Right. And then he also says then he woke up at 10 or 11, and I'm like, well, no baby is letting you sleep until 11. No. This story is full of fucking holes. Yeah. And then he doesn't call 911 until 4 right. p.m. that day. And honestly, this is when I was like, stay stupid, everybody. Like, oh, my God. Like, the, the implication being the only reason you wouldn't call until 4 p.m. is because, you know, she's not coming back. Right. You know? And also the cops are like, he's not a wreck enough. We need him to be an emotional wreck. Totally. He's not responding in the way that they think he should be responding. Put a pin. Please, somebody remind me to address this later. Okay. We'll come back to Somebody? That. It's me. It's you. It's just me. <laughs> You're right. So, <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> so, of course, he's a person of interest. They bring him down to the sheriff's office. Dietrich was brought to the sheriff's office for what would be a grueling three-hour late-night interrogation. The detectives, Brian Slinger and Lee Kingston, wanted to know why Doug had waited so long to call in the missing persons report. Can I just say, they say they question him for what would be a grueling three-hour late-night interrogation. They interrogated Brendan Dassey for 12 fucking hours. These people that you hear, they're like chained to floors. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're spit on by the cop. This white man. Poor Doug. It's grueling. What are you, thirsty, Doug? He's hungover. Yeah, exactly. Just let him. He had to deal with his own kids. Doug's the kind of guy who thinks that like if you have a kid you're like, and you're the dad, you just babysit the kid. Right. But you don't actually contribute. I'm not parenting. I'm babysitting. You're, ba- you're like helping yeah, out a little bit, totally. but like not fully contributing. You're looking directly at me when you say that. Well, you're the only one here. We've addressed <laughs> this. It's just us here today. There are definitely times that I've caught myself being like, I'm going to, oh, I'm on babysitting. Nope. Uh, oh, my. Oh. <laughs> no. Men. Ah! Men. I know. L- let's be honest. Steve is really raising her. I'm just there for the fun times. I know. You and are. the waffles. I know. And the ice cream. And the saying yes to everything. You know what I mean? Just throw a screen in her face and have a cocktail, right? But, is that parenting? But I don't understand. In that situation, everyone's happy and quiet. You know what I mean? I agree. What is wrong with that? Just put on an educational program. Sure. Frozen is educational. Totally. Let it go, right? Absolutely. So Doug says, look, I am hungover. He admits it. They were fighting and he thinks maybe she's off with another guy. And he's like, she was saying horrible things to me. Like, look at the text. Like, your guess is as good as mine. Now, remember, Doug doesn't know that Nikki's body has been found. Correct. So they question him for two hours before they tell him in a pretty, like, heartless way. Yeah. And then they say, we're not 100% sure that it's her, but there are similarities. Well, what similarities? The height, she's blonde, belly button ring. Also, like, how many women went missing last night that fit that description? And Doug starts to cry. Yeah. And they just straight up ask Doug, like, so did you kill her? They are watching him closely to see his reaction before asking him, essentially, if he killed her. And you don't know where she is or what happened to her? Not a clue. Did you, did you do anything to cause her to go missing? No. Not, not at all. Besides uh, being an asshole a little bit on the phone, I mean... 
we fought. I'm a total dick to her, but like, I promise you, I didn't kill her. And nobody believes him, by nobody. the way. I don't He's believe a him. They don't believe him. And then they tell Doug that <laughs> this is where they drop the bomb that, oh, like, by the way, while you're here, we're searching your house and we want the clothes you were wearing last night. And he lets them do all of it. Yeah. Now, they say that for the next hour, Doug sobs uncontrollably. I have this big note that the second Doug starts crying, the male cop jumps up and he's oh, got to no, get to the, oh. Oh, like, whoa, bro. What? Whoa, bro. What is this? A whole lot of waterworks. This is a football town, <laughs> <I> dummy. <laughs> He literally goes from sitting to standing, and then he then he stands behind the chair ooh, yeah, to ooh. get as far away from the crying male as no homo. Yeah, maybe he'll catch it, you know? Totally. <laughs> the emotions. Don't want that, yeah. Oh my God. Feelings? Totally. Barf, right? Is there a vaccine for that? Yeah. The other thing is when he's crying and the cop is slowly backing out of the room, he starts muttering to himself. Yeah. Nothing in the world looks fucking faker I know. than him saying, him like muttering the words, I will find them, Nikki. Yeah, and we've seen this a lot, and it's, it, it's never good. And and also at this point, like the crying feels fake. It's very like it's very poorly acted. Yeah. So it's it's I, it feels like we got this sewn up, and we've got forty minutes to go. Yeah, I wonder what can happen. So right. <laughs> now we're talking about the Green Bay Packers, and if you don't like them, you can get the hell out of here. <laughs> Essentially, look, this is when I realized that like there's no more unwelcoming of a feeling than to live in a sports town and not be a sports person. Yeah. My memories of being in college in Boston where Boston's the fucking greatest town on earth uh-huh. and then I lived there 10 years later as an adult with Steve and we didn't like sports and we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You can't go to a restaurant the no. game's on. You can't go to a bar the fight at the gay bars the game's are on. Well gay people like sports. I'm just saying yeah. you expect a Gaga refuge from oh, time yeah. to time. You know what Once I mean? In a God while. damn it. You couldn't even find a good gay oyster bar in Boston oh, come on. to go have a glass of fucking Prosecco Jesus without Christ. the game being on. God damn it. That's a travesty. It really it's just like civil rights violation. Yeah, totally. The birthplace of gay marriage in this country. I mean, come I, on. I, it's just, it's unacceptable. It's, it's a hate crime. But it's we, a hate crime. We, it is a hate crime. So we learn that the community, of course, is shocked. And we learn a little bit, of, like, again, they don't ever give us enough about the victim, but we learn a little bit about Nicole. By all accounts, she was a very good teacher and she was an excellent mother, a smiler, somebody who they said would light up a room. Nikki was the mother of three, two from a previous marriage, and the third, six-month-old Dylan with her live-in boyfriend, Doug Dietrich. She really cared about her kids and would never have done anything to put them in harm's way or in jeopardy or to leave them alone. She's the mother of three, we learn here. Yeah. So two kids from a previous marriage, and the third is six-month-old Dylan. And I just want to say, the point of talking about the Green Bay Packers and how this is a football town is to say that football season wasn't happening at the time of Nikki's murder, right. so people gave a shit. That's right. that's what they're telling us, that, like, people God. weren't distracted by uh-huh. the sports ball, right. and they could, like, care about a missing and brutally murdered woman. That's, oh. what, that's what they're telling us. How lucky for Nikki. I mean, come on. And they say, you know, the first break in the case comes from two joggers, who were out running that morning and they say they were jogging at five in the morning like right near Nikki's house and they had to jump over a pool of blood. And we know that this is a legit story because the two joggers were caught on a student driver's dash cam. Yes. To which I say, kids are learning to drive at five in the morning. <laughs> they, I guess it's they the, go before school. It's never too, Jillian, five in the morning is a little late if you're asking me. Okay. You know what I mean? Five in the morning is a little I, <laughs> 
for like a, t- a groggy teenager to be behind the wheel? You're is making, that the safest? You're making some salient points. Like, <laughs> right. maybe it's also like not so many, not as many people are out. I guess too. People are, I people are safer. I guess. I just can't. Did the idea of learning to drive ever? Did you ever consider it? Yeah, okay. I took some of the courses. Okay, I passed my driver's test. You did, and then like never did it again. <laughs> The level of concern. But the thing is, they also then, after finding this pool of blood... And then a neighbor found more of the grisly evidence on his lawn, including a wire cord he had run over with his lawnmower. That's absolutely where the murder took place. The the blood that was collected there, um, the hair samples, and then that cord uh, that was found, which we believe is like a phone charging cord, came back all positive with uh, Nicole Vanderheiden's blood DNA. They found a phone charger. Yes, that's and, the cord. And the narrator says that he had run over with his lawnmower. Now, I'm sorry. Oh, God. That's just a funny sentence. <laughs> yes. He ran over a phone yes. charger with, with his, his lawnmower. lawnmower. <laughs> and the way he delivers it, it's a very official delivery. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, totally. <laughs> in the middle of a terrifying, horrible, brutal yeah. story, yeah. the word lawnmower got me. I, know. I, I needed it in that moment. And she came down and she arrived. And they said, you know what, Jillian? Yeah. We're going to give you a funny sounding sentence right You're now. right. And I said, thanks. The thing is, though, we learn here how completely, like, inattentive Doug was because this is all in front of his house. The blood that the joggers jogged over is right in front of his fucking house. Like, it's the crime scene. It's the crime scene. Again, like, so it's either, like, he did it and, like, isn't drawing attention to it or he, like, didn't do it and, like, didn't stand on his porch for a fun- And like, doesn't care that much. Right, like, didn't go outside looking for her. Eventually, later, they ask if he ever went looking for her and he's like, actually, I didn't. No. If he had left I was his too busy house- babysitting. Well, but, like, in his defense, he is, like, handling the three kids probably for the first time ever. The guy's right. got to learn how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You don't just know these things. Yeah. So Nikki's friends tell cops that Doug had been abusive to Nikki. Her sister Heather said Doug drank heavily and used cocaine. And one of Doug's former girlfriends, Rebecca Mott, came forward to tell detectives how Doug could be jealous and often violent. An ex of Doug says that he's super jealous and violent. And she says, we got in a fight. He tackled me and I broke my ankle. He'd like throw and break things. Like he's not a good guy. Yeah, not a a fucking good guy. And the search warrant produces evidence. They say that Nicole had a herringbone pattern on her back as though she had been beaten with something that would have that pattern. And they find like an Air Jordan sneaker Mm. in the closet that has that pattern Uh, and it has blood on it. Jesus Christ. Like five, six, seven, eight, we close the case. Well, they arrest Doug, obviously. Yes. I mean, all signs are pointing to Doug right now. And the cops today, to us, they're like, unfortunately, Doug spoke to a lawyer, so we couldn't really talk to him anymore. And I'm like, no. No. The thing is, when we say everyone deserves a defense attorney, what we're saying is, if they get a proper defense, then they can't tie this up in appeals forever. Right, right, right. So if you get the bad guy, and he is the bad guy the first time, and he has a proper defense, he can't say ineffective assistance of account or whatever. Right. That's why we say everyone deserves a good defense lawyer. And now, we're going to meet Doug's friend, Greg. Oh, this fucking guy. But I have to say something about Greg. Yeah. Learn from Greg. Here's oh my what, God, I hate Greg. Here's what happens though. Yeah. They haul Greg in yep. and the cops are like, he killed her and we know it and you were there. They're like implicating Greg, yes. right? Yes. And they're like, where's your alibi? And Greg goes, what? Greg gets up and walks out. He's like, all right, I'm done. Thank you. Yeah. You're allowed to do this. You, yes, like, yes, yes. I just, everyone should be doing this. Yes. I Googled, you can walk away up until they read you your rights. If they haven't read you your Miranda rights, it's an interview and you can leave. Yes. If they have 
read you your rights. You say one word and one word only, and that word is lawyer. Holy shit. That's Say all of that again. Greg was right to leave. Yes, they weren't holding yes, him. Yes. You are allowed to walk away, walk out of that room up until they read you your rights. If you haven't been read your rights, it's an interview and you can leave. Wow. If they have read you your rights, it's an interrogation and you shut your mouth and you say the word lawyer and that's it. Yeah. That's the difference. I will say this happens all over the place in this episode. Right. Doug gets an attorney. The friend Greg walks out. Because Greg, they're, they're like. from the future. They heard this episode. Yeah, they were like, you did it. He did it and you yeah. did it. And Greg was like, no, I didn't. Bye. And he walks out the door. The cops don't even get up. Yeah. They're just like. That's your alibi? Nobody. That's your alibi. Your alibi is the guy that's supposed to be for murder. So you don't have an alibi? Bye. But the point is, like, they couldn't hold him there because legally he had every right to walk away. Everyone take a lesson from Yeah, and it's good because, like, the the cops are saying to him, your only alibi is that you were with the guy that we know did this. Like, that's not a good alibi, friend. And he gets up and leaves. Right. So 16 days after he was arrested for Nikki's murder, Doug is released from jail and people are shocked. Like, how can you let this guy go? Because he clearly did it. And then they tell us that behind the scenes, the case was falling apart. They get evidence back from the crime lab and there was like a major lack of evidence that Doug was anywhere near the body. Right, like the blood on the sneakers. Hang on a second. We got to slow down on the blood on the sneakers. Yeah. The blood on the sneakers. The blood found on his Air Jordan shoes was not that of Nicky Vanderheiden, but that of a turkey. Who would have known he would have went turkey hunting a week or two prior and there'd be turkey blood in the garage. Fucking turkey blood. And the cop says, hey, whoever could have known that he went turkey hunting a week before the crime? And I was like, well, he probably Doug knew. could have told you. You could have just asked him, this guy, fam, this guy is innocent. He didn't do it. He didn't do it, and he spent 16 days in prison. And also, there was blood in Nikki's car. It's not Nikki's blood. It's her daughter's blood. And we never know if the daughter's okay or what happened. Exactly. They don't tell us what happened. Is she okay? Because we're told there's blood all over the backseat of the car. What the hell? And my thing is this, like, I don't know what, the, my my hands are in my eyes. Like, I yeah. don't know what the right thing to do is. Like, this guy spends 16 days in prison. He misses the funeral. Yeah. Now, he's a bad guy. He's he bad beats guy. her. We have been told this from reliable witnesses. I believe it. The texts between them are terrible. But still, he missed the funeral. The kids who, like, probably only know him as a parent figure uh-huh. have been gone out and they're dealing with the murder of their mother. Yeah. Like, the cops really, really fucked they up really here. They really fucked up here. And I don't know what the right thing to do is. He looked like a good suspect to me, too. Like, do you wait until the evidence come back from the lab or do you just arrest the guy like they did? I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the right answer is for yeah, that. Yeah, me you know? either. Also, there's some more evidence here. The car didn't move all weekend, so he couldn't have killed her and then dropped her body somewhere. And they get that from the GPS from the car because the car with the blood in it, they're assuming like it's blood because it's Nikki's blood. That's what he used to transport the body. I feel like that's something that they could have gotten relatively quickly. Right. No? Unless, unless he was like, yeah, no. I mean, they probably have to get a warrant. There's all like stuff that I you guess, have to but get. They go back to the body cam and they're like, oh, wait, when we were interviewing him the morning that the body was found, he was wearing a Fitbit. They get the Fitbit and they're like, oh, my God. There was a short amount of steps recorded in the middle of the night consistent with, you know, someone getting up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Uh, And then after that, there was another period where there was no movement recorded from the Fitbit. Doug Dietrich's Fitbit confirmed his alibi. He didn't go anywhere. Like, he got up in the middle of the night to go pee, and then he went right back to bed. Like, he told the truth. Yes. Because his story was that he was super drunk, and he woke up a couple times for the baby. He had 16 steps all night, and they're like, yeah, that's the Fitbit of someone who was passed out and woke up a couple times for the baby. It's just, like, the cops really fucked up here. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm kind of surprised they're participating in this interview at all. Because one of them's like, ooh, yeah, we felt bad about all that. Like, he didn't do it, and he missed the funeral, and, like, it's a bummer, but, like, here 
here we are. And I think about the kids. I mean, that it's also like the fucking kids have to be raised by this monster. Like, right. he's not a good guy. Fucking I'm yikes. not mad that he would spend time in prison, but like, everyone fucked up here. Yikes. Real. And big, also, big yikes. if it wasn't him, then who was it? Well, that's the thing. Like, she just like walked off into the darkness. Like, who did this to her? Right, exactly. Two months go by, and the DNA finally comes back from Nikki's socks yes. that, that she was wearing when they found her body, and they get a hit. So they put the DNA evidence into CODIS, and they explained to us what CODIS It's like the National DNA Database. Yeah. This I didn't really know. If you've ever been arrested since they started collecting DNA evidence, your DNA is in CODIS. So oh. if you've ever been like arrested, according to these cops, if you've been arrested for any offense, they swab your mouth or whatever and put it, your DNA into CODIS. Great. So, That's great. Yeah, it's great. So they get a hit, and they realize the DNA on the sock on Nikki's body is a guy named George Stephen Birch from, from Virginia. Virginia. And I'm like, why the hell is he in Green Bay? Well, this guy's also got quite a fucking rap sheet. Yeah. He'd been arrested in 2001 for murder but was acquitted. And I'm like, whoa, Birch, you got acquitted for murder and you're still out there doing shady shit? Well, that's so he was on probation. Yeah. That's the worst thing he got for committing murder. Totally. He wasn't allowed to leave Virginia. And I'm like, well, that's a major problem because he's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So right. how the fuck does that work? So he had jumped his probation essentially. He'd been living in the home of Linda and Edward Jackson in Green Bay. Okay, these two. <laughs> Talk about why are you participating in I this know. documentary? Well, he was extremely polite. He called me Miss Linda, and I kind of like that. Just very personable. Very, very personable. He called her Miss Linda, which she really liked. Which she really liked. Edward said, he's an old friend of mine from upstate New York. And according to Edward, this is a quote from Edward. He says, he knew I was doing very well out here. Okay. Edward, what do you do for a living? We don't get a lot of information about anyone. Also, (laughs) is that little girl okay? Why was her blood all over the car? I know. To say it like, oh, oh, good good news. It's not Nikki's blood. It's her daughter's. Period. End of sentence. Can I? I know. There's a lot of open-ended shit here. Like, enough. But now we learn that this George guy was a regular at Richard Cranium's, which, if you think about it, is dickheads. Thanks, everybody. It took me a minute to, like, put it together, but I was like, Richard Cranium's dickheads. And Linda... That is so stupid. I kind of love it. No! (laughs) I know exactly the clientele that goes to Richard Cranium's. I'll meet you dead at Richard Cranium's. Yeah, suck my Richard. That stupid shirt from the band. I I hate it. I kind of like it. I hate it. And Linda stops, because I feel like locally they probably call it dickheads. Like, I'll see you at dickheads. They have to. But Linda, she's like... He was so fun-loving, you know? Everybody at um, Richard Cranium's called him big country and he was six foot eight tall guy but very friendly you know he was really fun loving everyone down at Richard Cranium uh-huh. really right, right. liked him he was six eight yeah he was, he's an enormous guy and they called him big country <laughs> All right. I don't care what you called him. He was also, like, quote, very confident with the ladies' barf. Ed says he was so charming with girls. They're called women, Ed. They're called women. Yeah, <laughs> called exactly. They're, They're called, called women, Ed. <laughs> uh, he had no problem going up to girls and talking to them. I just have no, Ed. No. That's not what that was. And especially when you're six foot eight, don't talk to anybody. You're too scary. Get <laughs> no. out of here. Sorry, six foot eight No, I, w- I think you're all very hot, but it's just like, I don't know. Bars are, like, I just, because I'm gay, I only deal with, like, men talking to and it's not that men who are interested in men can't be intimidating to other men. Of course yeah. they can be. But like when I think in my brain about a six foot eight man coming over to talk to you at a bar, I know. uninvited, just, yeah. just coming over because he's quote fucking confident no. with talking to the girls I or whatever. That. Like nobody wants that. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm like the exception to the rule, but when you, I. Full stop. <laughs> 
Full stop. <laughs> but I, I don't, like, I never went to bars to, like, meet a guy or, oh, like, to meet someone. That's where you and I differ greatly. You know, like, I, I was never like, I'm going to find a person here uh-huh. that I, like, I would just go to, like, socialize and be with my friends. So I, I never went, I know you're looking at me I crazy. used to do this thing where I would go out, Mike Jensen, if you're listening, you remember oh, hey. these days. I used to go out with my friends, like Mike, and we'd go out early for happy hour. And at, like, 8 o'clock, it'd be like, I got to go home. I'm tired. And I would just go to a different bar by myself looking for men. Really? <laughs> like, looking for guys. Yeah. yeah. I was super into, like, meeting guys. That's great. <laughs> um, it was just never, I never went out specifically to, like, hook up with somebody. Uh-huh. You and I lived wildly different lives, like, in our 20s. I just, I, <laughs> I liked going out. Trust yeah. me, I was one hell of a party girl. But I, I was bet. never like, ooh, I'm on the prowl tonight. Like, that was never <laughs> how I sort of approached Can you going imagine out? me looking at my friends being like, oh, I'm on the prowl ooh, like tonight. rare or whatever. It's not really my I mean, style. leopard print from head yes. to toe. <laughs> totally. With candies. You're wearing candies heels. Anyway. So that's why this feels like very foreign to me. Like yes. some guy coming. Like don't talk. I'm here with the people I want to talk to. Totally. Get away. So back to this guy, the six foot eight guy, George. The day after the killing, we learn he went like Edward, his friend tells us. Ed Jackson and George Birch had gone fishing the very day her body was discovered. Oh, he was real happy. He had a big smile on his face and holding it up. And... The day Nikki's body was found. So they're saying if this guy killed her, that means he killed her and hours later was frolicking on the ocean in this boat with his pal. And you can see in the photo that his hands are all fucked up. Yes. Like they're bloody and And cut. that's why that picture is important. Exactly. And it turns out this guy, this, this George story guy, is wild. had a run-in with the cops right around the time of Nikki's murder. What happened was, so remember, he's on probation. He's not supposed to have left the state of Virginia. He's living in Wisconsin. We learn that he like gets into a, an accident in a car that he stole from his friend Edward. Yeah, the Jackson's car is like their big SUV. Right, they, he crashes it into something and then rather than calling AAA, he sets the car on fire. Well, it was a hit and run, okay. which is like so fucking trashy. I know, I know. It's a hit and run and then he sets the front seat on fire. Like, what are you thinking? Like, George was the one driving the car and then he's like, uh, someone stole it. Yeah, right. yeah, that's the ticket. Someone stole it and did this to your car. The narrator is telling us the only reason that this George guy's name is in the police's system is because of this car accident. Right. That happened like, like this guy is so fucking stupid. You can't even play it cool. You're on parole. You're like you've you've jumped parole. Yes. And like you can't like just sit quietly like yeah. we always and say. And that's why he hit and ran because he's like shit. He knows right. he shouldn't be in Green Bay anyway. He and can't leave Virginia. Just for for good measure, I'm gonna light the car on fire. What are you doing? Also, these cops are bad at their jobs. <laughs> We've established that's been like well established. no one. No, like can't you just run the guy's name? Like how do you not know he was on probation? I know. Everything is like brand new information. I, these guys all the time. Like they're bad at this. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But they finally decide to show up to work and they talk to this George guy. Yes, because he was the hit. He was the DNA hit. They're like, he's probably the guy. And because of this hit and run, they had his cell phone. Right. They had collected his phone. So they're able to say, hey, let's track his movements on the night that Nicole was murdered. It basically mapped out his night and gave us a lot of the answers that we needed to have. So his phone showed him at every single crime scene location and basically mapped out that night for us. This guy's phone puts him every Everywhere. single place that Nicole was. So here's George's night. Yeah. He goes to Dickheads. <laughs> Richard Craniums. I hate it so much. <laughs> the more you hate it, the more I like I know. it. Oh, fam, it's happy hour at Dickheads. Uh, like what? No. <laughs> 
that that would be my time to be like, I have to go to bed and then go to the sardine can around the corner by myself. Always packed. And then just put like Tori Amos and Fiona Apple on the jukebox and drink by yeah, myself. That's totally. what I do. So Richard Craniums is where he meets Nikki. Yes. And then this is like the third bar of that she's been to that night. The cops want us to know that she was drinking heavily. But this must have been that she left the patio of that other bar and then walked to yes. this bar. Yes. This George guy gives Nikki a ride home. Yes. The cops say he sexually assaults her in the car outside of her house. Yeah. In front of her house. Like where her stupid boyfriend is yes. and her kids. Nikki is so drunk that she falls out of the car. Yeah. I think she was probably passed out when yeah. he assaulted her. The cop uses a term I, here. I don't even want to talk no. about it. it. He Like essentially George like beats her to death on the sidewalk. It's horrible. I can't even talk about it. And then puts her back in his car and moves the body to the field where it was found. And the phone is traveling this whole, yeah. so we can see. Fucking everyone we can is track so it. stupid. Keep it that this way. This guy should be a cop in this town. Yeah, right? <laughs> Stay stupid always. Yeah. So George did it, and I hate him so much I can't even put it into words. That's right. sort of where we are here. So he's arrested. They say George Birch was a cool customer, showing little emotion once he was in custody. At six foot eight, 270 pounds, towering over Detective Brian Slinger as his handcuffs were removed. I told him that he was under the arrest for the murder of Nicole Vanderheiden, and I wanted to speak to him about that. His face didn't change one bit. We see him in his interrogation with, like, the other cop. He's towering over the cop. He's huge. Yeah. So we're at the trial day one. It's so obvious he did it. But this is interesting, right? His lawyers are putting Doug, the boyfriend, on trial. Correct. And I'll tell you what, like, cops, when you do a shitty job and you arrest the guy for murder without, like, testing any of the easily testable evidence, you make it so the defense attorney for the guy who really did it can do this. But, so, like, this is why our system is so fucked because sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Right, Remember right. Betsy Faria? Totally. With the Pam Hop thing? Like, yes. her husband's lawyer couldn't point the finger at Pam Hub, and the husband was wrongfully convicted too. Yeah, but it must come down to the fact that like they arrested him and charged him with the murder. Like that's a public record. Right. But you know that's what, I mean? what happened to Betsy Faria's Is husband that right? too. Was it the yes, same? it was the same. So it's just up to the judge. Yeah. Like that's why part of one of the many reasons our system is fucked. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like this Judge John guy is just like, yeah, no, you can totally just like <laughs> attack Doug. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. So I mean, also Doug sucks so great. Like drag him through the mud again, fine. Yeah. So Doug has to take the stand. He's on the stand for two days. Again, they're asking about his relationship and how he found out that she died and was he there. My only note here is like, Doug isn't exactly an emotional wreck talking about this no. stuff. They didn't like each other. They didn't like each other. You know what I mean? Other. Like, this is what I was getting at earlier when I was like, remind me, I'm going to yes, tell you yes, this. Yes, 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 The reason Doug isn't like breaking down when he learns that Nikki is dead is because he didn't like her. He didn't like her. He didn't like her. She didn't like him. We've seen this before where it's like, why isn't the husband sad? Because they fucking hate each other. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah, there's there is no sadness there. No, there's no sadness. And then we see text messages that Doug sent to his mother earlier in the day of the night that Nikki went missing and was killed. And they're pretty bad. Like the texts say things like Doug says to his mother, this is going to be nothing but hell for the next 18 years. He was talking about raising the kid with her and having to live together. How about when you told her I'm very seriously thinking about telling Nikki and the kids they have to move. I'm not cut out for this life one bit. Do you remember that? Um, I remember, you know, it, I think I sent something on the lines of that, and I was having a, you know, a little downer day or whatever, and um, I just said that to my mom with not truly meaning it, I guess. 
this guy is talking about wanting to like shirk his responsibility. Yeah. Now look, the two kids that aren't his, fine. But the kid that is actually his child, he wants right. to kick all of them out. And also like you're a family now, Doug. Right. Like, or have a conversation with Nikki. Like it's just, it's a very complicated situation and Doug handles it poorly every step of the way. And like if you weren't a fucking wife beater, maybe I'd have a, a tiny sliver of sympathy for you, but I don't. I don't at all. I don't have any sympathy for you. And what we're still not getting into, I mean, they didn't show it, but where did he go? Right. Why did he leave her with his friends? Right, exactly. Like, where was he? That, to me, I mean, I know Doug didn't do it. Like, right. the DNA yes. doesn't lie. But, yes. like, where was he? Well, we're getting more of the text from that night between Nikki and Doug. And t- Nikki's texting, fuck you, asshole. You hurt me all the time. And, like, the defense is trying to show that, like, he beats her. It makes sense that he would have killed her in a fit of jealousy. And what Doug is doing, he's doing this thing where he's like, I don't remember saying that I didn't want to be tied down for 18 right. years. I don't know why Nikki would say that I'm abusive. Right. Doug, just be honest with us and say we kind of hated each other. Totally. I, yes, I'm I was also abusive. the worst. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like we didn't like each other, but I also didn't kill her. Like those right. things can also be true. And honestly, like that, it's more believable. Just be honest. But the whole like, I don't remember texting my mother that I hate my kid and I don't want to deal with it. Totally. Like, yes, you do, Doug. And all like, just say you were venting. Like, just say it. But right. just to be like, I don't, that wasn't me. Like, come on. It's crazy too because like we get more evidence. Like the defense is asking him why he waited so long to call the cops. The suggestion being that he knew she was dead. Why didn't you search for her? A very good question. The defense is also saying, like, from the body cam, you can tell that he took a shower before the cops came over. That's incriminating. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this, like, is really incriminating evidence. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, the prosecution gets up and we're, like, back to the DNA and blood evidence. And the cell phone data right. and all that stuff. <laughs> right. Like, Right. But, like, it shows you how, like, in the day and age before DNA yes. and cell phone data, yeah. like, Doug would be in prison forever. Forever. That's all really incriminating it, shit. It, 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 it's it looks bad. Where we, did you go? And we have to remember that, like, this is all... Po- you can look super guilty and yeah, not be guilty. I, I know. It's crazy. And also be a bad guy. Scott Peterson. Oh, God. <laughs> so, George gets on the stand and tries to explain it all away. George is a killer. Yes. But hold on a second. Yeah. This is where we learn that they have him wearing a stun belt? <laughs> Wait a second. I've never heard of this before. Birch is wearing a stun belt underneath his clothes uh, so that it's controlled by remote control. They can electric sh- they can provide an electric shock to him in case he acts out in the courtroom. So, like, if he gets out of hand, yeah. the deputies can press a button and, <laughs> and shock him. He's so What is big. going on in Green Bay? <laughs> I think, honestly, he's so big yeah. that they're afraid he's going to, like, jump over the witness box and kill somebody. Because he's killed before. Right. Not just Nikki. That right. other conviction. Like, totally. come on. I mean, can you imagine being like, we're just going to wire this fucking stun gun onto your body in case you, like, breathe in a way that we don't like? In case. In case. A stun belt. <laughs> It's never in my life. <laughs> We're not talking about the sun belt. No. We're talking about the stun belt. The stun belt. belt. Oh, my God. So, George's story is, yes, they met at the bar. Yes, they were hammered. Like, that's all true. Yeah. Then he starts to say, oh, the sex was totally consensual in my friend's car. Right. Lie. Yeah. And then... Doug came out of the house and attacked them because he was so jealous that Nikki was having sex with someone on their front lawn, basically, and attacked and killed Nikki. And Doug says to George, look what you made me do. And then this is the most banana, the stun belt's the most bananas part, but the second most bananas part is that George's story is like, and here's why my cell phone was exactly where the body was all night. He said Dietrich then ordered him at gunpoint to put Nikki's lifeless body in his blazer and drop it in a nearby farm field. What was Dietrich doing at this point? He was standing behind me with a, still had a firearm in his hands, um, pretty much directing me what to do. 
Now, let me... Hold on a Just second. Just remember, five hours later, he's on a boat fishing with his pals. We're supposed to believe that seven-foot-tall, 300-pound George was at Doug's mercy. Right. <laughs> the guy... Is so intimidating just sitting there breathing that they have a stun belt on him. And this guy's story, he's seven feet tall, and 300 pounds. His story is Doug intimidated me right. and I, I had to do, I, I just couldn't handle it. No, I mean, it, he it, couldn't it, have saved Nikki's life. He right. couldn't have, George, shut up. Right. And like, and then also, why wouldn't you have gone to the cops, George? Right. You know what I mean? And where's the gun, George? Right. Like three hours later, you're boating, fishing with your weird friend Edward. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Not a care in the world on that stupid boat. <laughs> no. <laughs> they go to the closing and the prosecutor who does the closing argument says his explanation is ridiculous and that is an insult to your intelligence. And the defense attorney says, look, just because the story sounds insane, impossible and ridiculous doesn't mean it isn't true. Right. <laughs> Like, but to oh me, it God. makes total sense. Yes. This guy who has a history of violence was hammered and picked up some girl and, and assaulted her and killed. Like, yes. yeah. To me, it's not insane and crazy no. at all. No. It makes so much sense. It's totally, it, and it's because it's exactly what happened. Like, come on. So the jury goes out. They say they were told, everyone on both sides was told the jury was going to have to take days and days and days. Yeah, right. Three hours. Three hours to find George guilty. Yes. And they say it all came down to the wire that was found in the neighbor's yard that was run over by the lawnmower. <laughs> the lawnmower. Because Doug's DNA was not on the cord, but George and Nicole's DNA both were. There you go. Exactly. Come on. And the judge is mad. He says George isn't human. This judge, like, takes the time to deliver a monologue. And to say... Drop the body off in a field, and then 12 hours later, go on a boat and be smiling like nothing happened. Like you didn't have a care in the world. How can we explain that? That isn't human. That is not normal. That he went fishing was a really big thing. That he just, like, committed this brutal murder and then just acted like everything was fine. Because to him, he felt nothing about it. Yeah, So he gets life without parole. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Throw away the key. But then, like, my big problem with the end of this is, like, when we find out that he gets life without parole, it cuts to Doug, who's, like, crying and, like, everyone's hugging him. Like, he's some kind of good guy. I know. Doug is not not a good good guy. guy. He's a fucking bad guy. And guess what, Doug? Now you're stuck with those kids. I know. The thing you didn't want the most. the one of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Here's hoping like a grandparent stepped in who like is lovingly raising the kids somewhere. Yeah, I know. We don't Jesus. get anything about that and I still want to know if that little girl was okay know, in the car. What happened? We don't know. I'll never know. We'll never know. What's going on in Green Bay? Uh, I'll meet you at the sardine can, everybody. It's always packed. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> We did what's it called? Murder in a Wisconsin field, but that's not really what happened. Killer case, yeah, it did. Killer case, oh my god, five. no, that's, like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened, <laughs> fam. If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. You can now watch the video of our live show from Obsessed Fest in its entirety, in all its entirety. edited professionally. Yeah, with the dancers in the opening number, yeah. you want to go see it. You can also get over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes right there on the Patreon. There you go. Follow us on TikTok, fam. It's True Crime Obsessed Pod. We're doing such fun, wild, crazy stuff thanks to our TikTok. Person Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. If you want to see more of Obsessed Fest, follow Obsessed Fest on Instagram. It's at Obsessed Fest. We're putting up like two or three posts every day yeah. of videos from like the different panels. And I'm the so and glad we and, have all of that. Oh my, we had a videographer for the whole weekend. We were getting every second of it. Because I didn't get to go to panel. I was yeah. doing panels yeah. and I wasn't really able to see certain things. So now I kind of get to. It's true. You'll so, see like pieces of Jillian's panel with Damien and Bob Ruff. Yep. You'll see Robbie's panel with Rebecca Lavoie talking about Adnan. Yep. You'll just see like Steve and Natalie's 
panel uh, on like I the was Type like, A Q and A. Heartbroken, I miss, and now I got to like be a part of it. So even if you were there, there might be things that, that you you're missed. seeing for so, the first time. At Obsessed Fest on Instagram, go follow. That's also where we're gonna like announce all the stuff for next year, which is coming soon. Right. And that's it. I guess that's everything. That's it. That's a lot. It's a lot. You always say like, I guess that's it, but then you say then, a lot. Right. So I guess that is it, but uh, it's also a lot. The next one of these we're doing is the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. I know. Next Thursday. I know. We we'll got a regular app before them, but the Thursday app is the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. Yeah, so you get our regular app on Tuesday. Yeah. This bonus on Thursday and then Patreon on Friday. I know. You're going to be so sick of us. Enjoy it, though. Have fun. Yeah. God bless. Merry Christmas. All right, we love you. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, girl, we did. What's it called? Uh, Murder. Oh, shit. My only point of reference for that is Friday Night Lights uh-huh. in Dillon, Texas. Yeah. and the, But it is that, like, they have signs about the football team, like, on people's lawns. Like, Applebee's is the place. On, if you go to Applebee's on a Friday night in <laughs> Dillon, Texas, it's going to be all Panthers. Oh, my God. Jewel, I, again, I won't get into it, but in the Comedy Central roasts, Jewel is the funniest. She's very good. Like, the one time she said, and I quote, as a feminist, I cannot condone what has gone on here tonight, but as someone who fucking hates Ann Coulter, yeah. I love it. There you go, Jewel. Agreed. <laughs> totally. Couldn't agree more. You know what word gets me? What? Fiduciary. Fiduciary. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the word douche. Yeah. Sandwiched right in the middle there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you know that old Dana Carvey bit about you can't say the phrase judicial system without sounding hammered? <laughs> judicial system. 